you know, I'm praying. I felt like a hypocrite because I'm praying to God for the future spouses of my of my children, of our children. And do I live up to those expectations that I'm praying about? You're listening to the Years of Marriage Advice podcast. PJ and Jenny here. This is part two of our conversation with Jenny's parents. Let's get right into it. So we've talked about how having Christ as the center of your marriage makes all the difference. Uh, But now we want to talk a little bit about how when kids are introduced into your marriage and things are busier and you have less time and it's harder to be intentional about focusing on each other in your marriage just because there are more things pulling your attention. Tell us a little bit about those, you know, first five, 10 years when things were different because of kids. Yeah, that's definitely true. And I think the first thing that we need to realize is that we become a family when we get married. We don't become a family when we start having kids. So that's something to keep in mind Yeah, when you're thinking about what is a family. But yeah, that definitely happened. You know, you're so busy when the kids are little and they have so many needs and, you know, the baby's needs need to be met that next thing you know, the day's over and the new day is starting and the days roll one after the other. And you're so caught up into, you know, feeding the kids and changing them and meeting their needs that you realize, wait, what about my husband? What about, you know, my spouse? And we want to make sure that we, if you're not intentional, it's just not going to happen. So I think we need to just make sure that even if we have a little time to talk here and there, once a day would be amazing in <laughs> something because sometimes that doesn't even happen. You can go a whole day with having conversations, but not real conversations. You can talk while you're doing things, but you're not really focusing on the other person. So even if it's something as simple as just having a conversation, how was your day? What happened at work today? Did, who did you talk to? Or what do you think about this? Just something to connect is important. Mm-hmm. And of course, if you're blessed with someone that you have that you can trust to watch your kids for a few hours here and there just to do something fun. I think um, a couple of times Dad and I went on a bike ride when you kids were little so that we could just do something together, yeah. you know, or just go to Wegmans and have something from, you know, <laughs> just sit there. and. Of course, the bike ride was a tandem and... One of the reasons you would go is if we stopped for ice cream on the way back. Of course. (laughs) (laughs) You know, those are the important things that you need to enjoy. We had to learn that, though, because um, early on, you know, things were busy. Then we started homeschooling, and there was a lot of new paths in our lives to discover. And for me, I was feeling, you know, at night, you know, Sabrina was too tired for me. Um, once the kids were settled and she wanted her quiet time. And and it wasn't until after we learned about love languages, our differences in love languages, did we start to communicate. Because I, I, I felt sort of like a, like a paycheck, like I needed, like I'm doing all this for my family. And what about me? <laughs> a little bit selfish, but I just, I just felt like that I wasn't a part. I was just the provider and the protector. But I, you know, and I know my kids were little and they loved me but but there was just something between Sabrina and I that was sort of a little bit missing and once we discovered like love languages and the time couch time where if I come home from work we kind of spend a little bit of time together at first but once I learned that her love language 
was like quality time and being talked to and listened and, and intently and not not try to do other things, not try to repair something while she's trying to talk to me, but getting my un, undivided attention. Um, just that that helped our relationship. And, and my love language is physical touch. And closely second to that is is the, the words of encouragement or wisdom. I'm not sure what the love language is, but but you know the thank you. The thank you means more than you, would you want? Do you want a million dollars or do you want a thank you? I would I would take the million <laughs> thank yous, <laughs> not the million dollars. But that just means a lot to me. So once we discovered that, and and by physical touch, I don't mean you know just things <laughs> um, just coming up. And so I think that's the very important and you know the love language is to find out what each other's needs are. Yeah, I think something that really helped at that stage also, it was when you were two, we took a, a parenting class. And it's funny because, you know, you have one kid, and then you have another and you think, oh, yeah, I got this down. And then you have a third and you think, oh, yeah, yeah you know, I don't I know exactly what to do, you know, with the kids, but then God gives you different kids. Just because you, you have a kid with a certain personality doesn't mean that the second and third kids will require the same style of parenting and we didn't realize and we had fallen into the trap of Jenny's crying quick give it to her give it to her she's crying <laughs> because she cried more than the other two did <laughs> you would never know now but um, so what we realized when we took that parenting class was that we had a child-centered home and it's very easy to fall into that trap so we had to learn of course we knew that Christ comes first but we need to also learn that Christ comes first, and then your spouse, and then your children. And for your children, there's no greater gift than to see and know that your mom and dad love each other. Mm -hmm. So yeah. we had to learn that, wait, we need to focus on ourselves so that we can be great parents for the kids. And we weren't doing that at that time. We were totally focused on the kids and not each other. So we... That was a, an eye-opener for us. Mm -hmm. So on that, from early on, I think it was even back in our the days when we were in our practical Christian living, um, just talking about you know praying. And Sabrina told me, she said, we have to pray for our kids with their marriage, who they're going to marry for their spouses. And I'm like, we have we have a bunch of time to pray. They, you know, <laughs> I mean, that was my initial thought. There's, you know, we've got a whole world of prayer now. I can add to the list, but. And so, you know, we would pray for who they would meet, that what we wanted for them in a spouse. And one day, I, I do all this thinking when I'm driving, and I was driving to work, and I said, you know, I'm praying. I felt like a hypocrite because I'm praying to God for the future spouses of my of my children, of our children. And do I live up to those expectations that I'm praying about? Am I praying for things that I'm not to Sabrina? Am I her Prince Charming? Am I who she was desiring? Am I meeting the expectations of what I'm praying for? And it really made me think about all my actions and am I encouraging Sabrina enough? Am I am, am I the protector, the leader? Am I am I honoring and respecting her in all aspects of our marriage? And so it really caused me to think think that through and. And I guess it changed me. It changed me because um, when I did something that didn't feel right or I took for granted, I started thinking about, wait, am I living up to 
what I'm asking God to provide into a PJ or to a Jacob or to a Kristen. Am I am I living up to that? Am I doing that? So, yeah, that's really insightful, and it helps put a new perspective on your own relationship because it's easy to have expectations for everybody else, but when it's your own self and your own relationship, are we meeting those expectations that we? are wanting for everybody else, or in this case, for your kids. And now that your children have found spouses, uh, let's talk a little bit about what it looks like to become empty nesters. So I think the first experience that we had with empty nesting, our children were not all married, but um, Jenny, we had a, a planned beach vacation for a week in the summer. And that week happened to be the week that Jenny had made plans to go to New York to visit a friend. So we, we all of a sudden we realized, wait a minute, we're going to be going just the two of us, just the two of us to the beach. I really wasn't that concerned because I was really excited about going to the beach, but I knew we were going to miss you terribly. So we weren't sure how we were going to handle <laughs> that. That's, that was going to be hard. But we, we went, and although we did miss you, we had a great time. We just enjoyed spending time together. We had not been it, it had not been just the two of us yeah. for a long time. We we didn't take vacation. I know a lot of couples do take vacations, just the two of them. Kids go to their grandparents or whatever. Um, but it just didn't happen with us. Not that we didn't want to, but anyway, it was our first time. And we we enjoyed spending time together. We both loved the beach, of course. So we played games and we enjoyed yeah, seven know, mile walks <laughs> long walks exactly <laughs> we we really had a wonderful time and we were so excited that you know we 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 love each other and we enjoy each other and there's still plenty of that left yeah. for us <laughs> hey, before we went on vacation we were just thinking about oh we're gonna miss jenny oh, carolyn's married ryan's married and it's just you know in the previous year just the three of us now it's just the two of us i don't think we spoke about that we didn't we didn't actually say what's it going to be like we just went we just went on vacation and to me i'm thinking like well this is a real test for empty nest <laughs> you know like you know for the rest of our life it's just her and i and what's that going to be like so and it just and it wasn't there was no like deliberate we got to make this work or anything it just fell into place it's like we skipped back to before kids time except for older <laughs> we just skipped back <laughs> we skipped back in time and it was it was a terrific week yeah it know? was it's true we didn't have to be intentional about it working it just it just worked because you know because we had the right foundation i think if we hadn't had the right foundation of of the lord in our lives that might have been different but because we did have his foundation, we knew that, you know, he put us together and we love being we love being with each other. And it's not like that was the first time that you've ever played a game together, or ever gone for a walk together. You guys would go for walks in the neighborhood together. So it, it wasn't that you guys never spent time together and all of a sudden you're thrown into a week at the beach. It was, you know, you're still, you know, going for walks in everyday life, but now it's in a different setting on vacation that you're used to having kids there and it's just the two of you kind of like yeah. a, a honeymoon <laughs> exactly yeah it's not that we never did those things it's just that we hadn't done them for a whole week away <laughs> right it's like you were saying earlier it was easy to focus just on the kids but then once the light bulb went off of hey we need to be spending time together too to give the kids an example you know that also instilled the constantly 
investing in your relationship. Now, that was just for a week at the beach. Is that still true for uh, the last few years of empty nesting? Absolutely. <laughs> we really enjoy spending time. You know, yes, like with everything, change happens and it takes time to get used to change. So, of course, every kid that we've had when they got married, we missed the, having them at home in day-to-day living. And then, you know, Ryan, we missed Ryan, we missed Carolyn. And then when it was Jenny's turn, all of a sudden, we're only setting the table for two. We're not having the conversations that we're used to having. We still are, but not. it's different when you don't live in the same place, you know. So we had to adjust to that. But right away, we enjoyed the time that we had together because we love going for walks. We love playing games. And, you know, we watch stuff too when we want to and it's fun and we like having conversations and cooking together playing cornhole it's just like a life of three it's sabrina and i and god you know it just and that's our that's our family at our address is the three of us (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's really good so that's really cool about you know having that awareness that it's you your spouse and god and that you're constantly aware of spending time together in the presence of God. So what are some other things that you would encourage couples to do who are about to become empty nesters or who already are empty nesters? What would you encourage them to do to invest in their relationship? I think it does need to be intentional regardless of how well you get along or it needs to be intentional as far as you know doing things that you enjoy doing together and even if it's something that you might it might not be your favorite but it's your husband's favorite go with him anyway and vice versa like jimmy loves running i don't like running but i do love attending the running events that he participates in so he has a race of course i'm going to go cheer him on i'm not going to run the race because i don't like running but i enjoy cheering him on and i enjoy you know, the environment and the the people that I get to see there. So that I look forward to those times. Now, if it's really cold in the morning, I might not go to that one <laughs> because I don't want to stand there and freeze. But for the most part, you know, I enjoy doing those things. And even, you know, Jimmy's just started to learn about disc golf, thanks to you, PJ. And even <laughs> though it's not something that I would enjoy doing myself, number one, because I'm terrible at even throwing a Frisbee, but I love going because I get to hike and walk and and cheer them on. And it's just a fun thing to do because I want to be with them. It's more important to be with them than the actual thing that you're doing. Sometimes on a, a long walk, Serena has good running shoes for walking and she'll start jogging you know, in a flat spot. She'll just start jogging and and she just takes me by surprise because she'll jog for like two tenths of a mile. and. And I have this biggest smile on my face that I, I, I can't even I can't even start to jog because I'm I'm like this is great. <laughs> so just I don't think she sees my face when you do that. I'm just all grinning from ear to ear. I but, know you're but happy, it's, but it's important. It's important that you're that you're intentional, like you said. And um, I always hear stories of people that um, you're on their second marriage or third marriage, and, and they say they grew apart. And I think growing apart is is a choice that you make because you're not you're not putting into it because I think it's 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 not with Christ in your life and Christ the center and you can give away shed your selfishness and just kind of meet meet in the middle in a lot of things like like Sabrina does 
you know, with me and I do for her and I know what she's interested in. And I'm like, I'm really not interested in that. But if she's interested in that, then I'm going to be interested in it. It may not be to the same depth that she is, but do I want her to go and, and, and talk to someone else about it when I'm right here and I'm the love of her life? So, so, but I think that there's choices. We all need to make choices in our marriage and what's important to each other. Yeah, that's a good point about people letting themselves grow apart. It's not something that just happens. It's because of the choices. And, you know, you can't just wake up one day and be like, oh, we grew apart. It's like, well, look at all the decisions you made to not spend time with your spouse, to not be interested in their interests. And, you know, that kind of goes back to the dating days, too. You know, you're you're asking each other questions and you're, you know, wanting to know their opinion and all that. And even like you were saying, Mom Tease and Poppy Seed, when it might not be your activity, you're enjoying doing it because you are spending time together. And so I think that's a really good point for anyone anticipating going through empty nesting or currently going through it, that, you know, you just go back to your dating days, you know, do what you did then, find your common interests. Yeah, a couple of other things that are really helpful that have helped us. Well, number one, praying together. And that's something that should happen all the time, regardless of kids, no kids, been married two days, two years, 20 years, you know, that's something that's that should be a given. But also, this might be hard to do when you're raising kids. It's, you know, reading some good marriage books, because honestly, there's just, it's hard to find the time to do that. Not that it can't be done. I encourage, if you can do it, I encourage you couples to, you know, regularly read good marriage books. But if you find yourself, okay, we're empty nesters, now what? Well, pick pick one up. You know, we recommend starting with You and Me Forever by Francis Chan. And we love, of course, the Gary Chapman books are so practical and, and full of good advice. I, there's lots of other marriage books out there, of course. But um, just make sure that you find some godly counsel for which books to read and which not to read, because you want to make sure that you're getting good advice. But once in a while, just go through a book together, talk about it. You don't even, if if one of you likes to read and the other one doesn't like to read, most of these books are available as audio. So, you know, can be listened to as you're doing other things. or And you're never too old to be read to. <laughs> and you're never too old to be read to, right? Yes. That's one of the things that we did that we really at enjoyed beach. at the beach. Yeah, I read, um, I love the Circle Trilogy by Ted Decker, and I really wanted Jimmy to read these books, but... If it's not a technical book, if it's not about programming, yeah. it's in bites. Uh. Yeah, I knew it probably wasn't going to happen. So I just took, I got the books and one by one, read the entire trilogy to him. Not yeah. all at once but you know it took us a few months but that was something that we enjoyed doing you know just and we switched it up on our anniversary i did the reading yeah <laughs> oh nice <laughs> yeah investing in your marriage isn't just for newlyweds mm-hmm. talking about you know audiobooks books conferences it's like a lot of young married couples do that and then it trickles off but how much more so when you're an empty nester too because you know, you're still married, you still have a lot of marriage left that you want to to enjoy. So uh, that's cool that you guys have, have done that during the empty nesting stage. Yeah, and the whole concept of a couple growing apart, you just look at that phrase growing apart, it's a process that either you let happen or you're not aware that it's happening. And so the whole idea of being intentional and looking at your relationship, asking each other those questions, hey, how are we doing? How can we love each other better? What are 
have we been spending time together just reevaluating the relationship seeing where it's going especially if you're feeling like you know just feeling like you're growing apart from each other it's a process that you let happen but it, it can be overturned because it's all about the action that you're putting into it it may be so gradual that you don't even know you're growing apart but the thing is that when you're intentional and there's a there's some things you just you can't go to bed angry. I mean, people told us that, I think, early on. You can't go to, you know, don't ever go to bed angry. Um, the thing is that, that don't even wait till you go to bed before you resolve it. Like, resolve it as quickly as you can, because as soon as you can reconcile it, the differences, and put yourself in the other person's shoes, and to love unconditionally, and just go through those things. If you're doing that, and you're living with Christ truly in your the center of your relationship, you can't grow apart. It's impossible to grow apart because there's just that, that bond that's there. You know, it's just you're, you're bound with, with Christ and bound with each other. And, and the worst thing is to, to know that you've made somebody else upset, you know, that, that you've hurt somebody. And I don't know, younger, it didn't matter. Like my wor words, you know, they, as in James is about your your tongue, you know, the bridle that thing, and and I know that when I was younger, like I said things, and the more things that I could say, the better, <laughs> you know, to get back at somebody. And now it just that is just so wrong, so wrong to do that. And so when I say something, and then. Because you really can't take that back. You can, and you can ask for forgiveness, which you should ask for forgiveness as soon as you can, quickly ask for forgiveness. But once it comes out, it's out. You know, it's there. And as much as you say, you know, like, I know that you can forgive and forget. And, and I'm happy that when we ask God for forgiveness, that how quickly, you know, he'll just say, okay, and forget about it. It doesn't hold you you know, I'll say, well, you did this. I mean, you, this is the third time. He's not saying that, but yet, yet we're not Christ. So, and we may have a tendency to do that. So I guess some advice would be just not to, not to get those things out, to just think before you speak. And if, if both the husband and wife have as high up in the love languages, words of affirmation, it can be easy for feelings to get hurt, even though you, if your love language is words of affirmation, you're more likely to be good at giving words of affirmation. But also, you know, when obviously we're humans, we're sinners, and the flesh does rise up, unfortunately. And when things come out that shouldn't come out, and it's done to you, so if it's done to me, my sense of justice immediately rises up. And I'm just, I can't believe you said that, you know? Like, you need to ask for forgiveness right now, like right this second. I ask for forgiveness a lot when I'm tired. <laughs> so, so That's when I know I need to go to bed. So it's important to work on these things and be forgiving to each other because, you know, we are humans. <laughs> yeah, and like you were saying earlier, the gradual process of growing apart, you're either growing apart or you're growing closer. Mm -hmm. And both of them are a choice. Both of them take intentionality. Um, one is just choosing not to participate in the relationship versus growing closer. You are choosing and connecting that to the love languages of intentionally, what is your love language and how can I show that to you? Which is a great way to continue investing in the relationship. Acts of service, I think, is um, both parties should be really 
the little things, they, they make it, even though somebody may not say, oh, you don't have to do that for me, but how do, does anybody feel when someone does something for them? Something little, a little note that's on the orange juice container, or a, you did the dishes, or, you know, the things that you're not expected to do. Like, you know, no matter what your love language is, I think active service is in, in everyone's, just the little, the little things that, that can brighten up, encourage someone else holding a door. You know, early on, you know, I was out shopping with, with Ryan when he was little and, you know, and I was teaching him how to hold a door. Someone knocked something off the shelf. I teach him how to pick it up and put it back. And he's like, but dad, I didn't drop it. And I said, it doesn't matter, Ryan, we're going to do this. <laughs> so it's just, there's this little things and it doesn't have to just be your partner. It can be anybody for some least expecting. I know that when I first started where I'm working now, it was different than other places that I worked because there was a great deal of, of Christians there. And I was so surprised that everyone holding doors from you and smiling got contagious. You, some, you, know, you walked in to a place and somebody would greet you and say hello. And, and then every person you saw after that, you'd say hello to. It just, it just got, it gets contagious, little acts of service of holding a door or smiling or somebody, you don't know what somebody's going through. And just by doing something really small for them, you could really make their day and change their outlook and bless like lots of people from that billions and billions <laughs> it's a beautiful thing <laughs> yeah and um, i'm glad you brought up just the environment of the christians that you were around kind of being contagious because it's important to know who we're spending time with because it doesn't just affect ourselves but it affects our marriage our kids everybody and so if you're putting yourself in a place where all the people around you have a negative view of marriage they're always talking bad about their spouse behind their back you know well it's gonna rub off on you just like on the flip side when you were you know in your work environment there was so much you know kindness um, and positivity that rubbed off on you, you know, so so I think it, we have to be careful too in our marriages, you know, are we spending time around people that are always putting their spouses down or um, not making a big deal about marriage when it should be a big deal and of course you can be that light to them but, you know, it's important to be aware of, of what is filling you every day and so, you know, it's just easy to to pick up on all of that and then it affects your spouse and everyone else. I totally agree with that. I think the the people that you choose to spend time with, see, everything's a choice. Everything is a right, choice. Yeah. The people you choose to spend time with makes a huge difference. Yes, we're Christians and we need to be in the world as in being a good example to others and, you know, showing them Christ's love. But the, the friends that we have, the people we spend time with that encourage each other and one another in the Lord, that's a huge, that makes a huge difference because... We need to be with people who are encouraging in our marriages and our parenting and our, our walks with the Lord in all areas of life. We need that. God created us for relationships and we need that in our lives. Yeah, this is really encouraging. So thank you guys for sharing your story. I have two last questions for you. First is, what is the best piece of marriage advice that you've ever received? For 34 years, 
we've been getting marriage advice through through reading scripture from being uh, from other christians from parenting classes and for so many sources that it's hard to know what really was the best because it all works together it all works together so you're not you can't i don't think you can pinpoint one thing and say this is the best thing i've received the best thing that i've received is my spouse and the gift of eternal life yeah, that's super sweet, and that makes sense. Maybe not in that order. Um, maybe the other order. <laughs> so, what is the best piece of marriage advice that you would give? It might sound simplistic, but Jesus did not make things complicated. God's word is not complicated. If if we abide in Christ and He's at the center of our lives, and we have a solid relationship with Him, and we spend time with Him in His Word and not just hearing, but doing, applying what we learn, drawing wisdom from it and living it out, that automatically will give us a good marriage because we are doing what God wants us to do. So it sounds simple, but really that is, that's the best piece of advice. We, we love the Lord. And, you know, like Jimmy said, he's the most important decision we'll ever make. And our second most important decision, who are you going to marry? So if you're abiding in the Lord, you will have a good marriage because you won't let your flesh take over you will you know marriage is is an act of service you know you serve your spouse so if you're abiding in the lord and serving the lord you will by default serve your spouse and love him the way he needs to be loved because you are doing what god wants you to do and i know that sounds simple but it really that's really the best piece of advice i have (laughs) yeah love unconditionally if we start there and that's the only place we go it'll all work Maybe because words of affirmation are high up on my love language list, I think a really good piece of advice is be careful how you talk about your spouse to others, whether they're with you or not. Of course, if you know, only kind words should be said about your spouse when you're talking to other people. But when you're with a group of people and your spouse is with you, sometimes it can be funny to say things that you think might be funny, but they're really little put downs or little jabs or little, you know, making fun of things that your spouse might not necessarily have wanted to be shared. So I think that's a big one, even though, oh, we we're just funny, we like to make fun of each other. But that could be true. But deep down, those things can hurt. And even though it might be funny at the beginning, they could start growing seeds of bitterness. So I think I think it's really important to never say anything unless it's positive and encouraging, no matter how funny you think it is. And if you think you want to share something funny, check with your spouse first. And if they agree, oh, yeah, sure, you can share that, that everybody would laugh, then go ahead. But never do that unless you've checked with your spouse first. It took me Mm -hmm. half our marriage to learn that because I just thought something was cute or funny, but I didn't put myself in, in Sabrina's shoes, you know, like reverse it and and that doesn't always work because we just may have different tolerances for things or or having jokes sometimes are more sensitive yeah yeah well thank you guys so much for taking the time to um, not just share your story but share all the insights you've learned and the ways that you've grown it's really encouraging to us and you know thank you not just for taking the time to do this but for being that example to us as well and we love you guys and thanks again Thank you. Love you too. Thank you for having us. It was Love fun. You guys. Thank you. Thank you for joining us in our conversation with Jenny's parents. 
Talk about some golden nuggets throughout their entire conversation. Let us know what inspired you the most by emailing us at pjandjenny at yearsofmarriageadvice.com or let us know on Instagram at yearsofmarriageadvice. Until next time, we are cheering you on in your marriage.